Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 180 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Stephanie Joy Daniels. Steph lives in North London, where she used to be in media for 22 years, but now she is working with my friend Cynthia Thurlow, who has also been on the podcast, to become a certified intermittent fasting coach with an emphasis on women who are around the age of menopause, which I thought was very exciting because I am a woman <laughs> on the on the other side, but around the age of menopause. So welcome, Steph. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, it's really nice to have you. So you probably know I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So yes, I'm going to start from quite a sad starting point, but it gets better, don't worry. Unfortunately, my mum passed away in 2015 from oh, ovarian I'm so sorry. cancer. Thank you. Yeah. 
And after she died, she had said to me before she died, look, you've got to get tested for the BRCA gene. And I had no idea at the time what that was. Actually, Angelina Jolie started making it uh, quite a thing when she had her double mastectomy and ovaries out. So it was kind of on my radar. But after she died, I gave birth to my little girl two months later. And it was very traumatic, bittersweet time. I had my little girl. I got tested for the BRCA gene and it came back positive. It's funny. I mean, it's not funny. I mean, it's ironic. We just—I just had a, an interview with another guest. Same, same thing. The bracket gene. Really? So really? I, I just had one. Yeah, just a few episodes ago. Oh, wow. I talked to someone else who was positive with that gene. It's quite common. It's quite common. And yeah, right. talking about being positive with that gene—that's exactly what I was, literally. And and right. And literally speaking. So anyway, so fast forward. She died in 2015. In 2017, I had a double mastectomy. And I had my ovaries out. And you would have thought, looking at that story, that the hardest part would have been my mum dying. It was pretty tough, Jen, but she was such a stoic, gorgeous lady. She never let us cry by her bedside. I think once I cried, I said, how am I going to give birth without you? And she looked at me and she said, are you, right. giving, are you giving birth now? And I said, no, I would never bring it up again. None of that was the hardest. I had time to come to terms with mum dying. Um, my double mastectomy, you know, I've got... <laughs> I've got new boobs <laughs> and they took it from right. my tummy, you know, every cloud. Right. Um, but the menopause was the toughest thing. So you did that. You did the mastectomy and the um, having your ovaries removed prophylactically because of the BRCA mutation. Correct. Exactly. And I went into a medical menopause, which is tougher than any menopause you could find because you go into it with no warning. You go into it 60 miles an hour. My sister-in-law is going through that, by the way. She just had a hysterectomy and everything. So she's going through that medical menopause. She's a lot younger than I am. So okay, okay. It, it's hard. It's hard. It's so hard. It's tough. I, it's really tough. And unfortunately, um, I was in my TV room and I remember no one was here and I called the doctor and I said, help, we have GPs here. And I was like, you need to help me. And she said, do you want to go on an antidepressant? And I said, no, no, no. No, why would I? I need help. And by the end of the call, she put me on an antidepressant. That's their only answer. And I thought, wow. this is ridiculous. There must be more to this. But, you know, I was so busy. I was in town working five days a week. I've got two young kids who were younger then. And then you get home and you have your second job of the housework to do. So I was a, a corporate woman. I didn't know how tough it was until the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And I stopped traveling into London, which took me about an hour each way, an hour and a half each way. And I um, had previously watched Cynthia's talk, her TED talk, which is now up to, do you know how many people have seen that now? I mean, I would I would estimate, I don't know, two, three million? 9.5 million have seen that. Wow. 9.5 million. That's amazing. Yeah. 9.5 million point one because I watched it again today. I reached and and at the end of the talk, she she talks about intermittent fasting. And then at the end, she touches on menopause and she's like, blah, blah, blah. This Mm -hmm. is really good for the menopause. Thanks. And then the music comes on. And I'm like, hold on, what? What do you mean? Tell me more. Come back. (laughs) She didn't hear me. She didn't come back. I reached out to her. I said, hi, Cynthia, I've just seen your wonderful TED Talk. The next thing I know, her lovely assistant, Laurie, gets in touch with me and says, Cynthia wants to set up a call with you. So I have this call with her, like I came on with you, and I was like, oh, it's Judy Stevens. Hi. Got all, you know, starstruck. I was like, oh, my God, it's Cynthia Thurlow. And lucky I'm in the UK and she's in America. So we really clicked and I said, look, I have, I need help with the menopause. I've got, I've, I don't know what to do, where to go. I'm really, really at my wit's end. And she said, come and join my class. She had a class. I love it. Now, how old are you? Do you mind saying? 41. 
41. Yeah. Okay. Just trying yeah. to get a little, because I'm 52, which is the time that you would normally be going through menopause, and my body did it naturally. But so it's, it's, it's a different experience for you at 41, surgically induced menopause versus mine. You know, my, I had the whole, the whole shebang of perimenopause joy to go through. Yeah. I was 37 when I, when it happened, but I didn't realize okay. until the pandemic hit and I had time to stop. So I started working with her and she recommended this incredible life changing book by Sarah Gottfried, uh, The Hormone Cure. Yeah. And as I'm as I'm reading it, I was hanging off of every single word. And I just it resonated with me on so many levels. Then I started working with her. And with Sarah or with oh, Cynthia? Oh sorry, sorry, with Cynthia. With Cynthia. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah is too busy for me. Well, we actually have had Sarah Gottfried on the um, the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Wow. She's been on it, I think just one time. She was on it. I was on a cruise, and Melanie interviewed her by herself. But <laughs> it was when the Hormone Cure came out that she was on there. Book. So Amazing it's a book. really past, yep, yep. I have it on my shelf. I need to pull it back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. And then she's got the hormone reset diet after that. And, and she's really uh, approachable because she talks about giving things up. And she talked about coffee in there. And she said, just try it for three days. That's it. No, I didn't find it one of those books where it says, right, okay, here's your new diet. So I tried it for three days and it had an impact. And then you you do it on your own. So anyway, parks there and got free. So, so I'm working with Cynthia. So this is around March and April. Now, in April 2020, I turned 40. And because I was a busy working girl at the time, I had saved up quite a lot of money for my 40th. And I thought, Do you know what, I've had a, a tough, I mean, it was tougher to come because of the pandemic, but I'd had a tough couple of years. Let's really celebrate. So I had a chunk of money that I had saved up for my 40th. That was on April the 9th, because we were in firm lockdown here in the UK. Right. On April the 10th, I woke up the next morning and no party. I was still 40. <laughs> I was still happy. I had still had all my best friends calling me. And I said to my husband, I, I cannot do this anymore. I've got to help women because I had right. stopped traveling and I had started having a lifestyle approach. So I started intermittent fasting and that intermittent fasting was the first of so many good habits. I started at 12, 12 and I remember coming down from upstairs because I have to hide at the end of the night from the kitchen otherwise it just goes (laughs) Stephanie Stephanie right and I remember I said to Lee my husband you you can please can you just tell me for the next couple of weeks just make sure I don't just kind of like make sure I don't eat at night once I got over like eight o'clock and I was in bed and I'd started I used the zero app and I'd, I'd kind of clicked that was my, I decided clicked start on my app. Mm-hmm. That was my mental commitment to that night's fasting. You're right, because I remember when I when I was using an app back in 2016, my son made an app for me. Uh, it was really supposed to be just for me. But that clicking that start or stop, you know, start, I would, I, it was the window app and it only at that time adjusted your window. But when I clicked open window, it was open. And when I kicked close, clicked close window, it was closed. And that was it. It was such a great boundary yeah, for me. Yeah. It's, it really is your commitment to, to fasting. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, we've got Slimming World here in the UK. I love Slimming World. I don't really want to bash them. I don't want to bash any organization, but, but it, didn't, right. it didn't work for me. I found that I was obsessed with food and I was always thinking about food. They call the food that you're not supposed to have a sin. So the fact oh, that they do, yeah, 
which makes me want oh. it even more if it's a sin. Right. <laughs> Well, I sin all the time then. I'm sorry, Slimming World. <laughs> exactly. So is is it similar to our Weight Watchers? I've heard a, yeah, a lot of people yeah, talk yeah, about Slimming yeah, World. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. But you become obsessed with food. All you think about is yeah. food. It changed my life. It changed my life. I, and I remember my sister-in-law was, you know, because it's, it's very easy to then find something and go around preaching about it. I had to really hold myself right. back and lead by I example. get it. Yeah. And she said, oh, I've got to try this intermittent fasting. So she tried it and she called me up a few weeks later it's okay that I've had eight digestive biscuits in my eating window because I'm not losing weight. So there's a there's a real intermittent fasting. It's not the only thing. It has to, it has to, I said to you before we were chatting, I said to you, the menopause is a multifaceted approach and intermittent fasting is a fundamental foundation to sorting yourself out and adjusting to what's happening to your body. And there's not enough studies on women on intermittent fasting. There's been loads on men, of course there would be. Right. Sorry, men, but yeah. obviously. <laughs> but none on women, and it's specifically none on women in the menopause. So we have to do a right. level of experimentation here. I think that that's so very true. So you started intermittent fasting. Was it right when you when you when you connected with Cynthia Thurlow? And you said that was was that 20, 2020 when you when you watched that for the first time? Yeah. And you started you started with twelve twelve. Yeah. And how did you you know when you started with twelve twelve and then you adjusted? What did that look like? And how long did it take you to really work at like like really feel like it was something that was part of you? I knew I had sixteen eight in my head. I knew I had sixteen. Okay. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with. I don't need to go into. The granular detail, we know 16 is the fast, 8 is the feeding. Right. So I had 16, 8 in my head, but I was very, very respectful of myself. And I did, I think I nudged it up 13, 14, 15, 16. And still to this day, I'm very respectful of my body and my cues. Over time, over a couple of weeks, I started to get what I know, what I now know, sorry, is fat adaptive. So I right. now know that I can go longer sometimes without eating. And I know that other times I've got the shakes and I'm really hungry and I haven't listened to my cues. I've been on autopilot. Mm-hmm. So I, the way that I, because now I teach it. So what happened was I gave my career up after my birthday and I had this money. I gave up my career in media and I went back to college. I used the money that I had for the party. I went back to college. I'm now studying for a diploma in nutritional therapy. And I'm working with Cynthia to become an intermittent fasting coach. And I'm coaching women as well in my position. I think each person is very, very individual. So we, yes. we always start off at 12-12. And then we work together to just nudge it slightly up mm-hmm. and listen to their cues. And like I said, it's very much an experimental thing. It depends on your day. Some women, it depends on their time of month. Some women, it depends on their work schedule. So... You know, it's a very, very individual thing. So it changes. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. 
Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Yeah, it does change. And that's that's the thing that I really want people to understand, not only is it different from person to person, but even within one person's life, it can be different from day to day. You know, like for me, if I have a few days with a really short window because I'm super busy and I've got a lot going on or I have a late appointment, so I don't eat till five, there comes a time when my body says like, let's say I had three days like that in a row with short, shorter windows than usual. My body says, today you're going to eat more. And I might have an eight hour window that day. And it's all about honoring that. And it's not me saying, oh, I, I was very, very weak today and I, I cheated. And I, No, it's, it's honoring your hunger, listening to your body and knowing that today I need to eat more. And my body is telling me that. Definitely, definitely. And then what happens is because it's such a good habit, fasting, you then start to make other habits. And it's like the onion that peels off. So you start the fasting and then you start, you know, look, I'll be honest, I was a binge eater for quite a long time. I just held my hand, my own hand through it. And if I would have a bad day, I would get up the next day. And then eventually what I did was I, I said to myself, right, you can, if you want to binge eat, you can binge eat. You can binge eat on a Sunday night and a Thursday night. And so I whittled it down to those two nights. And then now it just kind of goes, you know, when you break up with someone and over time you forget about them and then you wake up and you're like, oh, I haven't thought about you for a long time. So it's the same with with binge eating. You kind of break away from it and you stop that habit, you know, before you know it, you're like, oh, hold on. And then you start getting comments and people are like, oh, you look really good. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm fasting. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that I I think that's a I've never heard that that idea before and so I want to explore it just to, again real quick. You had a struggle with binge eating from time to time. I think a lot of listeners can relate to that, especially if we've dieted because we know through research on on dieting 
that over-restricting leads us to have binge behavior. It's biology. And so a lot of us struggle with it because we eat for a lot of reasons. Some of them are emotional. Some of them are physical. All of them can be a reason for binging. But you gave yourself two days. You said, okay, Thursdays and Sundays, if I feel the urge to binge, I'm going to do it. Yeah. With no judgment. Yeah. And I tricked my mind because I've come from the mindset of slimming world of constantly thinking about food. And so I would have these conversations and I kind of say, it's okay, we'll do it on Thursday. We'll do it, you know, I'd, I'd, and then I'd change the subject and I'd try and either get into Well, that's delay, don't deny an action, right? You delayed the binge, yeah, right? Amen. You're like, I'm going to delay that till Thursday. And then you didn't want it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I did it a few Thursdays and then eventually I was just like, I got to Thursday and I'd been so good. I mean, look, look this didn't happen overnight, you know, and, and I had to go down a lot. My journey wasn't straight line it was very zigzag they never are no they really they are. never are straight but yeah. we only see the end result on instagram and and you look at these people and it's so unachievable you know but the way they position themselves and actually it takes me back to my point so when i speak to people when i'm coaching these ladies i don't want to say you have to do this I, we work together and it's like if they come to me they've got a binge problem or they love alcohol it's like Okay, well, let's try and work with that. Let's not, you're not going to stop alcohol. I know all the things that it's doing to them. They don't need me to tell them because they know as well. But it's about working with it, right? Okay, you like alcohol, give yourself a week. And actually, between you and I, what's going to happen is they'll have a day, they'll end up having that alcohol, and then they'll realize soon that the good is outweighing the bad until eventually it just, you don't have any need for it. That is what has happened for me. I'm not 100% alcohol-free. When I wrote Delay Don't Deny back in 2016, I was having a glass of Prosecco pretty much every night with dinner. You know, and I was like, look, I'm at my goal weight. I can have a glass of wine. And as I got older, as I went through menopause, I realized my body was not processing alcohol as well as it had earlier. And I also have now since realized, I've talked about this before on the podcast, a lot of listeners have heard me say it, I realized that I am genetically a slow alcohol metabolizer. And examining my family, you know, I'm sure I got it from my dad. He's exactly the same way. You know, my brothers and sisters, exactly the same. They were, they were not as slow of learners as I was. It took me till 50 to figure it out. So I realized, oh gosh, if I have one or two glasses of wine, I don't sleep as well. If I have three glasses of wine, I'm going to be miserable at night. I do not sleep at all. And so because I want to feel good, I drink less. We're having a neighborhood block party tonight, and I may have a glass of wine. I might not. I've recently discovered I really enjoy non-alcoholic beer, of all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no alcohol at all, but I feel like I can, you know, have that celebratory drink, And but it's not, you know, I don't want to have the buzz. And so you just start to realize how good you feel without something. And so you're not, like, I don't feel like I'm bad when I have it or good when I don't. But I feel good when I don't, and I feel bad when I do. So it's, it's, I'm not calling myself good or bad, but the, I do feel bad if I overindulge. And, and it, start, it starts to kind of... It loses its yeah, appeal. Yeah, massively, massively. And it's the right. same as food and, and sugary food. No, right. I, I will always love food. I'll always love sugary food. It's from my childhood. I was always like, come on, if you've been good, let's go to the sweet shop, which I now know is awful. So I don't ever use food as a reward for the kids I always say come on choose an experiment an experience so we'll go swimming or right but it's difficult I mean we're gonna we're gonna screw them up whatever we do so you know (laughs) 
I hope not. But the menopause is such a different thing. It's it's a total different game. Um, so when when we go through menopause, our bodies change. Our bodies change. Everything changes. The things that used to work for us may not work anymore. Like I just told the story of how alcohol, even though when I look back at the clues, they were there all the way to my 20s that I didn't process alcohol as well as my friends that would drink and drink and drink. And then I'm like, all right, I have to go lay down now and they're still drinking. And and just I've never been a, a good alcohol metabolizer. And so I would always be the first one to stop drinking or the one who had the really bad hangover for days. And then my friends are like, we're all fine. What's wrong with you? But menopause made that even more pronounced for me. You know, my body changed. And so I had to change what I'm doing. I have to work with the body that I have. I also, you mentioned sugar. I don't do as well with sugar as I used to do with sugar. So I could be mad at my body or I could accept and love my body and and just say, well, it's different. Exactly. Working with it. That's exactly what that's exactly what it is. That's the key to it. It's working with it. I mean, this whole thing is about intermittent fasting. And I, I'm writing articles now, science fact. I know that you're a science geek as much as I did. Yes. I remember my dad brought down Delay, Don't Deny. And I took a picture of every single um, page of your references. And I was like, just give me that. And I loved all that because it, it just, it, it makes it more tangible. So I know intermittent fasting is so key and fundamental. But it, there's other things. There's, there's breathing. There's getting oxygen to your muscles. That is really important. I find sometimes I'll be feeling anxious, especially now. The news will make you anxious. Yeah. I'll be reading the news and I'll and I'll find myself shallow breathing, yeah. like with anxiety. And then I'm like, okay, slow down. Exactly. And taking just a take a few deep, deep breaths. breaths. That's exactly. Mm-hmm. It. Have I got background noise going on? A little bit. So, listeners, if you hear a little pounding, those are her kids, her dog. Just <laughs> don't let it stress you out. No big deal. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, yeah. so breathing is really, really key. Um, the Wim Hof, and Cynthia um, actually interviewed him. He's so eccentric. But he, he's got a Wim Hof method, which is about plunging yourself in cold water and taking deep breaths. And so that's the stressor. He puts the cold water on your body because it's a good stress. And it brings you to life, which is another thing that IF is. It's a stressor on your body. That's that's a great point because we hear all the time people are like, oh, women shouldn't do intermittent fasting. It's too stressful for our bodies. And the key is... Not all, even not all women are the same as far as how much is going to be too much stress, right? So we can't say, well, a woman should only fast X hours because you're a woman. We're not all identical women. And we have other things in our lives that are causing stress. So what is too much stress for one woman will be fine for another. But it's about knowing yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And listening, exactly. And just on the stress point, the other thing is resistance training. So we've got, so we've got intermittent fasting. We've got breathing, which is, is really key. Like you say, you kind of catch yourself and then you're like, oh, hold on, I'm shallow breathing. Deep breath into your belly and then and then you're okay. And then the strength and resistance training. So when you go into the menopause, you have a risk of your bones becoming more brittle, your muscle wasting away, which is sarcopenia. It's also known as sarcopenia. So you really, really need to look after your muscles for long-term health and mobility, And so resistance training is absolutely fundamental in that. And the good thing about it, so I used to be a cardio bunny. I I mean, I didn't used to be. I used to want to be a cardio bunny. I would run. Right. I'd be so out of breath and and hate it. I really hate it. I spent the whole time going, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. 
So when I realized that resistance training, and you could do it for, you know, I did it for about 20 minutes a day or, or a couple of times a week. Most people are too busy to do it every day. You can add on and on and on. I'll kind of summarize this quickly. When you run, your body adapts to the running. So eventually your body will get used to it and it will stop working as hard. When you're resistance training, you can add on more and more and more weight. And so your body will keep adapting and keep getting stronger. Your muscles will keep getting stronger. So resistance training has been a game changer for me. And it really is important. As we age, we do lose muscle. And after menopause, we have hormonal changes going on in our bodies that cause that to happen. There's a reason why, you know, we see the smiling grandma and she's a little bit fluffy and she's, you know, flabby. And that's just because her body changed over time and, and that's normal. And so... You and I both, we want to stay strong. Yes, we do. We are strong so, women and we want to stay we are, strong. Yeah. You know, my, my, I don't know about you guys in America, but in, in England, my mom was a, a sucker for low-fat, you know, sweetener. And it didn't work. I mean, she fortunately at the end, the cancer made her very skinny, so it's all pointless anyway. But it, it doesn't work. It doesn't low-fat, you know, all the sweeteners. It just, I just feel so bad that, I, I I wasn't able, I didn't have the knowledge to tell her, but she's fine. I mean, it all comes down to real food, real right? We want to eat food. real food, not those fake replacement exactly. foods. Exactly. So we're talking, we've, we've done what you don't eat, so intermittent fasting. We've done breathing, just to kind of keep you grounded. Right. We've done training. And you're right, and then in your eating window, it's about real whole food, ideally protein. There's studies that show that eating protein is your biggest macronutrient will have an impact on your fat loss, not your weight loss, because we want to lose fat, not weight. And it also really affects satiety. Pro, you know, there, There's the whole protein leverage hypothesis that states that until you meet your protein needs, your body is going to continue asking you to yeah, eat yeah. until you've had enough protein. And there was actually, I was wearing a, a CGM I, I took mine off the other day, but I had one on for a few days this week. And was one night I ate a meal that was very low in protein. I didn't do it on purpose. I wasn't paying attention. My blood sugar shot through the roof. Oh, it was. It ended up being. It. It was crazy. It was a very low protein, lower in fat. It was. It had rice. It had dates. It had carrots. It just ended up being a very starchy kind of a meal. And I didn't do it on purpose, like I said, but watching my blood glucose, I mean, it shot up like crazy. And so then like the next few days, I ate more typically what I would normally eat, more fat yeah. in there. I still eat starchy carbs every day. But even with the starchy carbs, when I added more fat and more protein, my blood sugar was just fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm funny. I'm wearing my CGM now. I, and because everyone, and so obviously I'm working with Cynthia, who's in the States, and I'm right. very close to everything that's going on out there. But in the UK, everyone's still catching up. So my auntie felt my arm for went, What's that on your arm? And I, I, I was so embarrassed to tell her. And she said, oh, it's, Is it one of your mad things? And I just said, Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's yes, a mad yes, thing yes, that everyone's doing, <laughs> that you'll be doing soon. It's so instructive. I mean, it just, and, and I, I realized I have that biphasic pattern after I eat my blood glucose, and I was reading about that, and that's apparently good. You want to see nice. that. Nice. But it's so insightful. It's instructive. It's so insightful. It is. How do you know? I, I have the same effect with rice. Rice doesn't agree with me either. So I now avoid it. And also, the, the, uh, the, I was putting chocolate powder in my smoothie, thinking that, okay, this is raw cacao. It was spiking my blood sugar. Who knew, Jim? Who knew? Well, I mean, the next day, I get this 
bakery box delivered now. I've just started getting it not that long ago. And it came with these blueberry biscuits. I, it was very much like what you would call a scone. Yes, oh, thanks, yes. These actually were, you know, American biscuits. You say cookie biscuits for cookies, but American Southern biscuits are usually very fluffy and light. But these were more like scones than like a traditional biscuit, but they were blueberry biscuits. And I, w- I had blueberry biscuits. They were, had a lot of like butter and cream in there. They had enough fat. My blood glucose curve was fabulous after that blueberry biscuit because it had sufficient fat. But after the rice and the yeah. carrots, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it's crazy. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Not that we're saying go out and have oats and cookies, but it's, it's, right, you know, it's very, right. very telling. So so that was the fourth thing. So we've got, what have we done? We've done intermittent, this is like the memory game that I play with the kids. I went to the shops <laughs> and I got an apple. And I, so we've done intermittent fasting, breathing. Uh, resistance training and then whole foods and then I would say supplements supplements is like my supplements is a funny one actually because there's certain supplements that are really good when you start taking supplements and your friends like what are you taking ashwagandha oh what's this ashwagandha you know, right. it's going to sort out all my problems and they start taking ashwagandha and it affects them differently it's true so supplements are again so bio-individual Yes, there are things that will have a really good effect. Ashwagandha keeps me calm. Maca is a beautiful one. You know, it, it, 5-HTP. There's the kind of, you know, there's a few key ones, but a couple of things with supplements. Don't take them at weekends because your body will start adjusting and stop producing its own melatonin, for example, or, you know, calming you down naturally. And also it's not the holy, it's not the holy grail. None of these things that I've mentioned are the holy grail together adjusting, tweaking, that for you, that's going to be the holy grail. We really are all different. That reminds me of of a time I have a a really good friend, Sherry, and she's co-host of one of my podcasts, the Life Lessons podcast. And I can't remember what the supplement was, but she's like, I take the supplement. It's really changed my life. I'm like, well, I'm going to try that supplement. It was terrible for me. It gave me anxiety. It made me feel awful. Then I read about it. Well, she's got something, some kind of genetic something or other that made her need that supplement. And I do not need that supplement because I don't have that genetic thing. I can't remember what it was for, but that's just telling. It was the wrong thing for my body, but it's something that she had like a gap based on her genetics that made her need it. So you can't just get somebody else's, you know, people ask me all the time, what should I take? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> what you should take. And and there's like there was a supplement that I took briefly. I had fibroids. Yeah. It was before I did intermittent fasting. I was taking it's called serapeptase. It's a proteolytic enzyme. And I took it. It was supposed to be very helpful for breaking down extra proteins in the body, which you know uterine fibroids are. But then people are like, oh, Jen takes that. I should just start taking that. I'm like, no, no, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> then I wished I'd never even mentioned it because it, it wasn't me telling everyone to take yeah. it. And you just really, you have to know what you need. And that's where having a healthcare provider who is really good at helping you address, like, what are your issues? Now address them through the supplementation that is going to be right for your body. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And you you have to be honest with yourself. You know, I actually, just circling back to the binge eating, I found one of my really good outlets was to journal and to just kind Mm -hmm. of pour out, like I was talking to a counsellor, and I really, really let go of everything everything and I got it out of my head and I put it onto paper and it lost its weight so a lot of the things that we suffer are very you know they're very emotional emotional emotionally led the menopause brings up so much it doesn't only change our body it changes our mindset it changes our 
uh, energy levels. It's really, really, one side of it is really not fair. It's like, like it wasn't enough and we had to give birth and most households, we're the ones that have to keep everything running. Now you give us the menopause. <laughs> right, right. And, and it's shocking. You're, we don't talk about it enough. Sherry and I had a couple episodes with Dr. Kabeca. Do you know Dr. Anna Kabeca? Yes, she's amazing. She's yep, she's the girlfriend doctor. But we had a couple of episodes with her, one where we talked about the menopausal transition and then one where we talked about sexual health and libido, which was also something that changes over menopause as yes. well because <laughs> of those changing hormones. But we don't really know what to expect because it was almost like a yeah, taboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I knew before. I knew like, oh, you're going to have a hot flash. Hot flashes, you're going to be hot. I just remember, you know, I worked in schools, so there were always a lot of women around. There were always lots of women. I remember the women that were going through menopause would be hot and would joke about it. And that's pretty much all I knew. You're going to be hot. Okay. I know, right? they, don't, they don't talk about it. They, they, well, they didn't. I think they're starting to now. My mum didn't talk about it. You know, I, look, I come from a long line of stoic women who don't talk about these things. Why? Why? And, and the same with mental health. People are starting to talk about it. Yes. Yes, we should be talking about it. And but the other side, I just said the one side is is yes, you're right, is that we call them flushes. You call them flushes. Tomato flashes. We hot 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 flashes, hot hot flushes, flushes, whatever. And uh, and, you know, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, oh my god, I do not want to I I want to avoid that menopause thing. But you don't because it truly begins at menopause. And Mm -hmm. and when I realized that, when I turned it around. And I start, I have my mum on my shoulder and I thought, do you know what? You suffered. I have to do this for you. And she still says, and she still tells me to put more mascara on and, <laughs> and brush my hair. And then she's like, thank you for everything you're doing with the menopause. So we owe it to them to turn this around. And this is the beginning. This is the best thing. Well, it's empowering women to understand that it isn't shameful and that you can talk about it and that it is normal and that when you start noticing all sorts of things that are different, it's not your imagination. Yes, we, and we've got you. We've absolutely, we've got each other's back. That's exactly, it's not your imagination. And there are things you can do, like go look up the girlfriend yeah, doctor, yeah. right? Dr. Quebeca, or find find someone who really understands and is going to help you find the root issues of what you're experiencing. Yeah. I mean, you're in a house of men, aren't you? So how did you cope? I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're moodier than me. So I... T- <laughs> You, you've got you're, you've got boys as well. Well, a little. I've got an eight year old boy and a six year old girl, and I love it in their head because Johnny's the boy, and he's like, "My mummy's helping women in the menopause," and I'm like, "Yes, I am." That's what you tell your friends. He's like, "I don't even <laughs> know what that is," but okay. But that's what she's doing. She's 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 got a restaurant. I'm like, "No, no, no, I don't have a restaurant. I'm just studying nutrition." Oh, that's funny. So so it's good. It's teaching them a good example, and it's setting a uh, it's setting it's setting a new path. I think so. I think so. And just getting getting it out there. So what do you tell women who are struggling over the menopausal transition? Like, what do you find? What are some of the common things that women are struggling with that are new to them? I think they think that their bodies are still 20. I think they, they're like, well, I really right. like alcohol, but I, I'm not sleeping. I'm put, I've got this belly around my, you know, this kind of new tire. And, and the stories aren't correlating with what they're eating. So their, their output is not correlating with the input. So they're eating like they did when they were 20 and they're drinking like they did when they were 20 or 30. But the output is really under it or they're not happy. 
And when you're not happy, it's going to affect everything from your kids to your housework, to your relationships, to your work. And so we really need to bring the two closer together. We really need to bring how you're treating yourself and how you're, what you're feeding yourself and what the lifestyle habits that you're forming. And then really kind of try and bring back to life the fact of how bad you feel. That's the common theme is that they feel so bad about themselves. And I do not want women to feel like that. But things have to change. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. Even me, I've been doing intermittent fasting since 2014. You know, my tastes changed a lot naturally over the way I gravitated to whole foods. The more whole foods I ate, the better I felt. But even over the menopausal transition, I don't want to say things I could get away with because I don't like that terminology because it makes it sound like I was cheating or something. But I've had to be more careful. I've had to be more aware of the way I feel after I eat as my body is changing. It's just my body is more sensitive to things, processed foods, ultra-processed foods than it used to be. Yeah, and we realize that, like we said about the alcohol, you realize that you're not 20 anymore, but the way that you feel when you don't have the alcohol is so it's empowering that actually it's funny that you keep saying that because my I've got a mantra in my room and it says educate inspire empower and that's what I think I actually got that from Cynthia and that's exactly what I'm doing I'm just educating these women inspiring them to make their own change and then empowering them to to kind of move forward with this we're not 20 30 and, and, and we wouldn't want to be I also have to say this and I don't want this to come across as being vain or boastful, I want this to come across as being very, very knee-digging deep and genuine. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my body. Mm-hmm. Me too. And does that mean high five, high five, virtual high five? That doesn't mean that I have a perfect body. Correct. That's the point I want to get across because there was somebody who was struggling, probably going through the menopausal transition, but it was somebody in the Facebook group. This is a while back. And and she was like, yeah, but you're, you wear a size zero, size two. You're, your body is perfect. I'm yeah. like, it isn't. I am a petite person. And that is my natural size. This is the size my body wants to be. But I'm flabby. I I mean, I've got cellulite. I always have. My mother did. So did my grandmother. That's the way my body is built. And so when I wear a bathing suit, you see cellulite. You don't see washboard abs on my my belly. But I am the happiest in my body that I've ever been because I I don't have to fight it or make it obey me or try to be something that it isn't. Exactly. I'm like, this is what it is. This is how I look, yeah. and I'm owning it, and I'm okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here in my size zero jeans, but if I had on a bathing suit, you'd be like, oh, yeah, there's just got some, you know, my arm, my arm oh, has got, so you know, I've got the, the little wobbly know. parts, right? I'm, I'm showing I'm her actually, my arm flap on the I'm video. Jewish, but... It's called the bar mitzvah wing, because when you clap at bar mitzvah, okay, it, okay. it starts flapping. <laughs> but... Um, but it's yeah, okay. Exactly. I was yeah. going to say, you've come, you know, your background is teaching kids. And it, it, you wouldn't go into the classroom and say, right, this is how it's going to be. You wouldn't be dictatorial like that. You wouldn't. Dic- and you can't be like that with yourself. You have to, you have to effectively you have to manipulate them to think that they came up with the idea. But you're just holding your hand. You're holding their hand. And it's the same with you. You can't cut, you can't, you know, sometimes just going back to the ladies I coach and they're like, can I have a plan? Can I have a food plan of what I can eat? And I'm no. No, I can give you some ideas, but the minute I give you a food plan, you're going to count down the days until you stop the food plan to start eating what you want. Exactly. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. And it goes back to those three words, those three words that you said you got from Cynthia. I wouldn't have necessarily come up with those three words, but they're very much my philosophy, whether I was talking about as a classroom teacher for 28 years or the work that I'm doing in this space, educate, inspire, empower. But that third one is the most important. You know, I can educate you all day long, teach you what I know. I can inspire you. Yes, I lost 80 pounds and I've kept it off, you know, whatever. But unless you're empowered, it's all meaningless. The empower is the most important part. And that's not Steph or Jen or Cynthia giving you a food plan. It's not us telling you how many hours to fast. It's empowering people to take charge. Exactly. Great, great. Let's make the change, Jim. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and let people realize that they, they can be empowered. Instead of, like, asking everybody, what do you do? What's your window? What's What do you eat? That's not important. I mean, I can certainly tell you, but what's important is what do you want to eat and what do you want your window to be? Like when your sister asked about digestive biscuits or those cookies. <laughs> Sister-in-law. No, it's, it's, they're just the best cookies, and she... You know, okay, they were kind of cookie. Down. She didn't really get it, you know. She just saw me and thought, oh, no, I'll try that. They try it, and then they think, oh, it's not working. I'll move on yeah. to the next thing. It's like, hold on, hold on. But then you're like, okay, well, do you want to eat eight digestive biscuits? Yeah. Or- yeah. <laughs> no. You have to educate. <laughs> right. And then you're empowered to not eat them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm really excited. So when you when you have a postmenopausal woman or someone going through menopause, Weight loss is more stubborn. And you also, when we think about women in general, most women gain weight over the menopausal transition. I mean, that is just a statistic we know. It doesn't mean that you have to. It doesn't mean you're destined to. But you're probably going to have to make some changes to keep that from happening. So what do you talk to women who are struggling with that menopausal weight gain? You talk about hormones. So there's a hormone called leptin, yeah, ghrelin. You know, all these hormones are your fat hormones, your satiety hormones, and they all start changing 
they all start fluctuating and they all start working in different ways. What a hormone is, a hormone in its basic terms is a chemical messenger. So a hormone is telling your body and your organs to act in a certain way. So leptin is, is uh, telling you to hang on to the fat. Ghrelin is telling you when you're full up. And they're not working. They're not passing their messages around your body in the same way that they used to. You have to honour that. If you carry on eating the same way, nothing's going to change. So mm. it's about tweaking. For me, it's really, really important to explain that intermittent fasting is the first good habit. You're giving yourself that digestive rest to get your food digested and start tapping into the stored fat. If you then start working out in the morning, having not eaten, your body needs fuel. So your body is going to tap into the stored fat rather than the food you've just fed it. So really, to get more bang for your buck, you want to work out in the morning fasted. So there's all these different tips that you kind of keep going. Then it's kind of you have to try and keep to three meals a day. And the quality of those meals is really, really key. So try and steer towards or lean towards protein as much as possible. Try not to snack. That said, if you're stressed, not snacking is going to cause you more stress. So I would have dates and for example I would have dates and, and it might sound weird but I would have dates in a lettuce leaf as a snack I've got to that stage whatever snack is gonna fill you up in, to the point where you feel like it's done, done its, its job you. right and it's not a chocolate bar you know it's like a nice whole food snack but if you can get to the stage where you have those three meals a day and they're whole foods and then you're having that uh, digestive rest you're gonna start seeing change I started seeing change the muscle resistance training, you take, you know, I talk about the bimental wings. Actually, they're the best they've ever been because it's like working with putty. So I focused on my arms and I've added more and more weight. And now I can see that line in my arm where the muscle is starting to form. And you just, it's brilliant. It's so satisfying. It really is. Like, I, I like to, yeah. you know, I still, I've got the little bat wings there, You've but you see my muscle, You've right? I've, yeah. I've got the line and the bat wings, but again, remember, I lost eighty pounds. Yeah, so but, <laughs> my skin's got a little bit going on there, but you know, it's a good it's a good habit to start with the with the IF. I think so too. So, what is your what does your approach look like now? Like, how do you live your lifestyle with intermittent fasting? Yeah, so I do it daily, and it varies. The most I do is sixteen. I think once or twice I've been up to seventeen, but I don't like to push it any more than that. I like to. I have my three meals a day still because I, I just, I need to eat. Otherwise I trigger a binge. And okay. That's what I realized about myself. So I have um, my smoothie in the morning and then I'll have nice lunch. I'll actually probably have a little snack when the kids come home and then I have dinner. And still to this day, I have that little battle. It's lasting. The duration is shorter and shorter, but I have that little battle of God just died into a bag of popcorn but I, I click my start and that's it. And I send myself to bed and eight times out of 10, I win sometimes on a Thursday night or a Sunday night. I will allow myself if I want it, that food. It's not necessarily a full on binge now, but I have, you know, I have some food in the evening and I'm at peace with it. So that that's how it looks. Very, very peaceful. So you only fast 16 hours most days. Yeah. You're yeah, still yeah. around that 16 what eight, and doing? that's working. My window tends to be anywhere from two to six hours most days. It just really depends on. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Like I mentioned, 
I had a couple of really busy days this week where I didn't eat till later and like a couple of short windows in a row. And then the third day, I was like, now I'm hungry. So I probably had, I don't know, a seven hour window that day. But my body let me know I needed to have a longer window. So it all it all kind of averages out. But it just really depends on how busy I am. Like yesterday, I was supposed to have a massage in the morning and I had it in my calendar wrong. So I didn't go and they called me and they're like, you're late. And I'm like, what? So (laughs) I ended up having a massage at 345 till 515. And so I didn't eat until I got home. So I probably opened my window at at like 6 p.m., which is unusual for me. So today I'll probably have something at 2. Nice. What time is it with you? Right now it is, oh, it's almost 1. So in about an an hour, I'll probably have something to eat. So I am not an alternate daily faster. I mean, I eat every day. But I tend to have gentle up and down pattern in my eating. Whereas, you know, if I eat less, yesterday I ate less because I started later today, I'll just naturally need more and eat more. So I think if if I was a calorie counter, which I'm not, but if I was, I bet I would see an ebb and flow day to day, low calorie, high calorie, low calorie, high calorie. Again, I don't count calories. I'm not good at tracking things. I ripped off my CGM because I was tired of looking at it. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't want to track anything. I don't want to count anything. I just want to live. But <laughs> when I think back, I think I have that gentle up and down pattern naturally. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're intuitive, aren't we? With yeah, it now. exactly. And and I love that you are a sixteen eight success because sometimes people get the mistaken idea that well, if fasting is good, then I must fast more and more and more and more. Whereas somebody might do great on twenty three one. That that's not like the end goal is for everyone to get to twenty three one. Exactly. And I, th- I actually think OMAD, as it's also known, I think that you there's not enough of a window to get in enough nutrients, enough. Yeah, protein. I can't get enough nutrients in an hour. Especially for menopausal women. No. I call myself one meal a day because I structure my eating window around the dinner hour, but I'm a snack and a meal within maybe five hours. And so I'm still having technically one meal, but it's... It's not an hour. It's not yeah. you know, one plate. It's not, yeah. I, that yeah, wouldn't be yeah, enough yeah. food for me. I can't yeah. eat enough in an hour to sustain <laughs> my body day to day. <laughs> so to talk about it. I don't really talk about fasting. A lot of my friends are starting to dip their toe into it, but it's really nice to have a lovely, meaty conversation about it. I've really, it is. I really enjoyed this, Jim. It's been so nice. Did you need to lose much weight? How much weight did you lose? I know we haven't talked about that at all. Do you even know? No, I think it was about a stone and a half. Okay. For is that is that fourteen pounds? It's thirteen pounds. Thirteen pounds. Yeah. Okay. I forget who I'm talking to. Sorry. <laughs> I got to know. In England, it's a stone. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just easier, isn't it? Right. So yeah, right. it's about a stone and a half to lose. But oh my god, you were the non-scale movement victory. Uh, you were the non-scale victory movement right. behind that. I write articles, and a lot of my articles are about just. Just kind of, you know, it's how the clothes fit you. It's how right. you feel. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely helping you on that campaign. Good. I think that's so important because if someone starts intermittent fasting or anything for health purposes, or if you start any program and your only goal is I'm going to see what the scale does, you're going to be disappointed. Correct. Yeah, you got to go beyond that. 
So we're almost at the end of our time together. So I like to close by asking, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? What would I tell someone just starting out? Go very easy. Mm -hmm. Listen to your body. Start slow and steady. And that is going to win the race. Start at 12-12 and listen. And you don't have to nudge up each day. You can do it each week. But when you're ready, you move. The needle will move with you. What do I know now that I know now? So much research. Right. (laughs) Medical journals. I can't pinpoint it down to one. Keep reading. Don't be afraid to keep reading. There is, it's changing all the time. I said at the beginning that there's not enough studies done on women. So things are changing all the time in this area. So just keep reading everything you can get your hands on. I mean, we are these studies. I put that in quotation marks, but you're your own study of one. And I I have had these large intermittent fasting communities over the years that are over 95% women, just because that was the nature of of who showed up and joined, mostly women, not all women. We had some great men in there too, but women did very well with intermittent fasting. So if someone says women don't do well with intermittent fasting, that's not true. We've got hundreds of thousands of women who say otherwise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, men do better, which is really annoying. Well, they do different. They, I don't know they if I would say that men yeah. do better. I, I don't think I would say that. Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos, they talk yes. about, they say women do better in their practice than the men as far as like the adjusting and you know, long-term results. You could debate that, but I think we all have biological differences that mean we're going to do fine. Women do well and men do well, right? I think you're absolutely right. I stand corrected. But and I think where we are different to men is that we we are different camaraderie. So we, you know, we are very supportive most of the time. You know, we can kind of back each other up. That was a great book, Life in the Fasting Lane, by the way. I really enjoyed that one with them. We find our community. Women are more likely to sit around like and talk about it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think so. Well, I have really enjoyed talking to you today, Steph, and thank you for sharing. And I love the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you, Jen. It's been, I've been such a big fan of yours. It's so nice. And the kids have just come home. So that's really good timing. Perfect. Kicked out. (laughs) But honestly, thank you as well, Jen. It's been so, so lovely to talk to you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? 
Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.